The Crude Life with Jason Speed. edition of The Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you very much, folks, for joining us this week. We've got a fantastic show in store for you. Dan Hedrington from SEH. He's been project manager on the Davis Refinery, the first Greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in over 40 years, coming to the Bakken oil field, happening sometime in the next year, we hope. After years of litigation, which the CEO, William Prentice of Meridian Energy Group, calls the new normal in oil and gas. So, excellent interview coming up with Dan Hedrington, giving us a recap of what's going on out there in the Davis Refinery. The first Greenfield Refinery, the cleanest refinery in the United States. By the way, folks, when that thing opens its doors and flicks on the light switch, it will be the cleanest refinery on the planet and will be the new standard going forward for anyone that is going to build a refinery on the planet Earth. They will be the cleanest refinery on planet Earth. All right. Also, coming up in just a moment or two, I can see the phone lines getting ready right now for Brandon Davis, the CEO of Swan Energy for Mining Money. I'm getting the signal that he's ready to go. Let's get the show on the road, folks. It is Brandon Davis, the CEO of Swan Energy, this week to talk a little bit about how to mine money and, more importantly, how to combat analysis by paralysis, analysis to paralysis. This is Brandon Davis. Time now for Mining Money. Brandon Davis, Swan Energy. Thank you very much for joining us here today. Folks, we've got the CEO, Swan Energy, joining us for Mining Money. And I, I am so pumped today because out of all the people I know, Brandon, you are one guy that seems that you go out and get it, and you go out and it... Okay, here's where it comes. A couple of nights ago, my neighbor, he's running for house of, you know, he's running a political office trying to be a house representative type thing, and he had some people over, and they were talking about the uncertainty out in the marketplace, people aren't sure, kids, school, all these different things, and I remember back when I suffered my first downturn in the oil industry, I went into a, a analysis of paralysis because... I had to reinvent my business model again, and I didn't know what to do. It was a newer industry. The, you know, so much technology was coming in. I just wanted to go into a corner, rock back and forth in a fetal position because I didn't know what to do. So it, I got over it, of course. But that is so common, and I think a lot of people are going through that right now. And I, there was the other night at that, at that political get-together I was at, that's for sure, because... Everybody seems to have all the answers, but nobody's willing to take a step forward. You seem like the kind of guy that usually takes a step forward regardless. So uh, I, I wanted to talk to you about that today. How, how are you doing? It sounds like you're on the road. Uh, I am. I'm on my way to an appointment, and uh, I've got a sinus infection, so pardon my nasally noise here. Um, by the way, it sucks to have a little bit of a cold right now because if you cough or sneeze or if someone sees you blow your nose, 
you start getting looked at like that person that could kill the room. Isn't that true? It's an experience I've never had before today, the last few days. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess that's, that's an interesting way of looking at things. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been a trip to say the least. It's a little difficult because like where I'm at, a lot of places require you to wear masks. In fact, there's a, there's a city commission fight going on right now, whether the city should require everybody to, and that sort of thing. But I'll be honest, when I put the mask on, I, you know, it's, it's hard for me, and I cough. And then people are looking at me and, and, at Walmart, and I'm going, great, now is security going to come over? So I can't even imagine having a sinus infection. Oh, that would be, uh, anyway. But, well, for, uh, first of all, you need to quit whining about wearing a mask. It's not that bad. We have to do it here, too, in Houston. So, no, uh, no, but it, it, it makes it a little different, though, because it is. It makes it hard to breathe. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm saying. I'm, it, no, I'm with you. I, I'm not a. I'm not a. I'm not a like a supporter or fan of the process. But so what helps get rid of this? That's fine with me if I can still act like normal otherwise, which is basically how it is here. So well, I came uh, to. I, I can. Live with, I can live with that for now. You know. Oh yeah, I came to terms a long time ago with if I want freedom, I got to own my own property, and then I can have as much freedoms as I want within a certain amount of rules, right? But. When I go out in the world, man, I got to abide by rules. And right now, there's a, there's a mask rule in a lot of different places. And I don't particularly like it. Like what you said, it's hard to breathe in those things. It is. And I've been, test- and I've been tested. Is. I'm COVID-free. So, I mean, you know, it's not like, but there's a certain perception. And, again, but that's, that feeds into what I was originally prefacing this conversation. By the way, uh, mining money here, folks. And we're going to get into some money talk in just a second, but there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of uncertainty out there. I just talked to the Dallas Fed yesterday. They got done with their quarterly reports, and a lot of people were talking about uncertainty with oil prices, uncertainty with Joe Biden, uncertain. These are actual written in the comments, uncertainty about Joe Biden, um, because he gave me the PDF of the report, and I started looking through them. And... A lot of people can get into an analysis to paralysis so easy, and that's pretty common in business. It's pretty common. And I, like I said, I've been through it. So um, what advice would you have or what experience have you had before we get into some you know, specific money talk with that as far as either getting over that or recognizing when it happened to you? I don't even know if it's ever happened to you because you got – It, it like, happens to me on occasion. Okay. okay. And – um, when I realize it, which sometimes it's too late, sometimes you, sometimes you can think too much on something to the point where you just have to basically flush it, um, and move on because you're, you're caught in a, in a quandary, but because it's not always exactly clear what to do. It's, it's, no one has all the answers. So uh, there's a little bit of chance, a little bit of gut and, um, and thinking on your feet that gets you to the point of acting and, uh, you know, it doesn't happen to me often, but it does happen. I've seen it happen to people to the extent that literally I had to start making decisions for them until they got over it. <laughs> it happens. Um, it, it, it can break but, you. It can it can seriously break your self-esteem if you can't get over it. I've seen it, and it's uh, tough. Yeah, my, my theory is this. Uh, you know, if you're going to do something and you know what you want to do and you have an idea of how you want to do it, lay out the idea and go do it and you'll learn on the way. Um, you cannot plan for everything ever. It doesn't matter who you are, how smart you are, how much money you have. There's no way you can do that. So, uh, a good portion 
99.9% of the time, uh, your plan's going to change every time. I mean, it's just going to happen. So uh, the way I look at it is, is you you know, even if it comes to a point where it's like, well, we go left or we go right, you flip a coin and go and, st- and see what happens. I mean, it's just, that's just how it works. That's um, right. I, I mean, know that there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that want to start businesses that always have these ideas and talk about these things but never go anywhere with it um, because they overthink it. Like the, the the biggest the thing that makes businesses work are the people that run them, push them, and start them. That's it's not the business itself. And that was Brandon Davis, the CEO of Swan Energy, with our weekly segment Mining Money. For more segments on mining money or to check out exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. When we come back, Dan Hedrington, project manager with SEH, to give us an update on the Davis Refinery, the first Greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in over 40 years. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. Here we go. Hamburger steaks, holiday ends. That's the kind of world that I live in. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we talk with Dan Hedrington with SEH about the Davis Refinery, the first Greenfield refinery to be built in the United States in the last 40-plus years, and it's coming to Bellfield, North Dakota, the Bakken oil field. This is Dan Hedrington with SEH about the Davis Refinery, spearheaded by Meridian Energy Group. I'm Dan Hedrington. I'm a uh, senior project manager with Short Elliott Hendrickson, uh, other, otherwise known as SEH. Well, this is going to be quite a satisfying uh, interview. How are you doing today? With long time, no talk. It's been uh, quite a while because we haven't had much to report on, have we? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's actually been uh, quite calm for some time, just... Um, you know, I, calm is maybe not the word I should use. Uh, people have been kind of sitting at the, at the edge of their chairs, kind of maybe a little bit of nail biting going, OK, what's going to happen here? How is this going to get resolved? And we finally got some resolution and, and we're quite happy. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate you, um, you, you reaching out and um, I'm looking forward to speaking with you. So first off, you know, we'll just start off with a nice congratulations on this latest Supreme Court decision. We should probably let people know. We're talking with Dan Hedrington. He's one of the chiefs spearheading the Davis Refinery uh, from the uh, SEH uh, Short Elliott. I'm sorry, what was the H again? 
Hendrickson. Hendrick, Hendrickson, your last name. Okay. No, it's uh, not my last name. My last name is Hendrickson. Oh, my word. It's very similar. It's, it's very similar. Boy, that was like a Mandela effect I did on myself. Boy, that did, that wasn't a good thing. So anyway, but it's it's been it's been like basically two years of you guys fighting a legal battle. The first, you know, Greenfield Refinery. I know that there's a lot of other uh, subcontractors involved, uh, you know, outfits out of New Mexico and other states. So it's been a big project. A lot of different leaders in the industry coming together. So a lot of moving parts, man. And after two years, my understanding is that. Um, the Supreme Court decision has come, you know, and it's in, in favorable in your in, on your side. Is that right or what? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so the Supreme Court was actually uh, had decided or um, been approached on two of the two of the outstanding issues that, or at least two of the issues that were taken to the Supreme Court level for um, for review. Uh, one was for our air permit, and the other one was for a siting permit, which is something that the county accomplished, but this, these opposing groups were. Um, trying to compel the uh, Public Service Commission from the state of North Dakota to also get involved. And um, those decisions were uh, uh, upheld by the state Supreme Court just recently. And we're quite happy. Um, you know, we were we were expecting to prevail. We've, the team has prevailed in every bit of litigation that's been you know, thrown against it you know, since the inception of the project. Um, two years is actually a little bit low um, because some of these groups were coming and trying to fight at, you know, county board levels and during public comment hearing levels and um, different, you know, phases throughout the project. And when the actual permits were issued, they would actually at that point file, you know, uh, their suits. We have gone through everything from uh, administrative law judges through uh, district courts and now through the state Supreme Court and the Meridian team has prevailed in every single one of them. So we're, we're very happy and, and excited about the, uh, um, the, the completion of the resolution to these, these suits. So we're, we're, we're quite, quite excited. Now I've been talking to you since day one that this thing has started. You've been working on this since the beginning, haven't you? I was one of the, uh, the first team members when, so when, when the project was was initially being evaluated by Meridian, they were looking for an engineering team that they could bring in that had the expertise and the ability to support them and, and to make the project happen. So not only did they vet us, we vetted them as well. We wanted to make sure that they were credible, that they had the ability to do what they said they were going to do, and they had the expertise to make that happen. Um, we ended up coming together very, very early in the project, um, teaming up. And you know us working uh, for them to to you know secure the permitting, do the uh, the various design components that designing the components that we were working on, and assisting them through public hearings and meetings and permitting and things like that. So yeah, you and I have been speaking for some time. Well, the reason I, I asked that question is because you know I I'm taking a look at you know some other projects and even this other refinery that they built or added on to outside of Dickinson, and um, this particular project has, has been a little bit unique in a lot of different ways, you know, and I, I wanted to get your opinion, because I, I wanted to make sure you were there from the beginning, like you weren't brought in to replace you, or something like that, you know? <laughs> no, so, no, that's not the case. So, um, since you've been there from day one, um, you've worked on other projects, too, outside of this, so talk to me a little bit about what's made this one unique. Um, like I said, there's a lot of different angles to take on this, but from your perspective, how is this compared to maybe some other projects you've worked on, and how is this one a little unique? 
Okay, so that that tr- that question is a little bit tricky, but I'll I'll do the best I can because there are several aspects of it. So yes, uh, I've been blessed to work in my career, you know, uh, in various projects all around North America and Canada, throughout the United States, uh, Texas, North Dakota, out in the West Coast, and you know, all over the place. And you run into a ton of different types of projects, and they all have these. You know, neat, unique components, and you know, why are they building it? Is it is it good for the community? Is it good for their um, their bottom line or their bottom, you know, the their dollar amounts? But it's good for the environment. There's a lot of different components that are are intriguing to these projects. Now, this project, um, what's really interesting about it is the folks who were involved in a full conversion refinery development, um, which has been over 40 years since that's happened. The majority, if not all, of those team members that were involved in those projects are, if they're if they're around yet, they're about to retire or they've already retired. And um, so, you know, that it's been a long time since the a greenfield refinery has been developed. That's pretty cool. Not only is it for the design team, but it's the same thing for the um, the the approving agencies, the administrative agencies that re- that approve them when the projects were first developed. Um, those folks, you know, are, are probably retired at this point. So it's a, a new group of, of people. Now, some are experienced because of upgrades to existing facilities or modifications or additions. But it's it's essentially the you know a new group of people who would be involved in a full you know greenfield uh, project. And getting involved with that those groups of people, the it, it's exciting because everybody is going okay. This is a complicated issue, and it needs to be vetted thoroughly. We need to go through and complete our due diligence at levels that are much, much um, more complicated or higher than what used to be. The oil and gas industry is, has come a long way. Things are, are, are extremely advanced, and the technology that's associated with this kind of stuff is, is through the roof compared to where it was 40 years ago. So it's, it's, it's kind of like saying, okay, we're getting involved with a brand new type of a project and a brand new type of regulator and a brand new type of engineering and brand new types of technologies. Everything is, is very, very advanced. And that has been exciting. Um, the level of emissions that, that you know, this project will have per barrel is significantly smaller than, I mean, like to the tune of like somewhere around a tenth of the emissions that um, other refineries, when they were developed, were, were emitting. So the, the technologies are exciting, and just the fact that, you know, it's, a, um, it's, 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 a, it's been a long time since anybody's tackled anything like this. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of people were intimidated by it. Um, you know, is this possible? Can you do it with the level of regulation that we have, you know, in current, current times? Um, and what we proved is that it can. Um, but I mean, uh, I'm kind of you know babbling a little bit too much, and I apologize for that. But it, it's been very exciting, um, you know, breaking new ground with new technologies and new permitting requirements, and it's been um, you know just it, well. I'm gonna stick with it. It's, it's exciting. It really is. Well, I was gonna ask you the angle I kind of wanted to, I guess, find out is. If you guys ever really figured out why your feet got held to the fire so much more than many other projects that happened. And, you know, I mentioned the, the refinery out of Dickinson. I mean, geez, sure. they, they, they rolled out the red carpet for those guys. I was there. 
I mean, they got, that thing was, was no problem. And go ahead. No, I think it's a sign of the times. Okay. Uh, I, I, I really do. Um, the, you remember, I mean, in the midst of this was dabble, uh, the protests going on in North Dakota, um, people were, um, you know, concerned. I mean, when, when you've got, you know, um, administrative agencies, um, being kicked in the shins or questioned or double-checked on or second-guessed for every decision that they've made. You've got the potential of, of people coming in and, you know, causing problems, causing, you know, um, uh, the locals to be, you know, you know uh, agitated and, and irritated by outside parties coming in and, you know, causing, you know, problems. Uh, everybody was kind of going, okay, they're kind of, if somebody's going to kick me in the shin, I'm going to flinch a little bit next time that somebody walks by. So the oil and gas industry was under a, a heavier level of scrutiny. It's okay, if the these, you know, these activists or these people who are opposed to these types of projects. Mr. Dan Hedrington, I'm asking you to hold that thought for just a moment or two. We're going to take a brief pause and we come back. We'll continue the conversation with Dan Hedrington. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. Yeah, y'all, if they leave it up to me, brother, I'm on them be exactly who I've always been. The same old guy staying drunk till I die all and jamming for all my friends. That's you, Jason. When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. Dot com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. The Crude Life with Jason Spies. The Salvation Army band played And the children drank lemonade And the morning lasted all day, all day Through the open window came not in a younger days, pushing the town away, away. Hey, oh, mama, mine to the night. Hey, oh, mama, hey, life in a northern town. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, we continue the conversation with Dan Hedrington with SEH. You know, these activists or these people who are opposed to these types of projects are going to cause problems. Let's just make sure we go through things at a level that is much, much, much higher than it would have been typically or would have been, uh, uh, yeah, common in the past. So it just to me, it's a sign of the times. I don't think that anybody was... You know, from the, the state of North Dakota was saying, oh, we hate these people. We don't want them anywhere near us. It was more like, you know, yeah, this would be great to have in our in our state and in our in our communities. Uh, as long as you every single T is crossed and everything single I is dotted several times, um, which is part of what, you know, that that heavy level of scrutiny 
that was not only at the at the reviewing agencies end, but also at the courts end. The courts were going through things that the level of um, a review that they were providing this these projects were, or this project was significant. Um, they wanted to make sure that they were in a position that when their decision was made, that they were justified, you know, eight ways from Sunday. And I think that, um, you know, our ultimate approval because of the time it took to complete that due diligence and because of the effort that it took to make it happen, um, it's that much more satisfying. It's kind of like saying, okay, I could run to, you know, any fast food joint and grab a burger, but if you make a nice burger on a big grill and you're doing your own thing and you, you really earned it, it makes it taste that much better. And, and, and these, these successes taste really good right now. <laughs> Is this the new normal now in uh, oil and gas? And we've had a Meridian CEO on the program talk about how it's the new normal. And, you know, I'd like to not think like that, but at the same time, a lot of examples certainly seem to show that uh, any new projects are going to end up in court. You know, I, I hope it's not, um, but I think that's a, a very strong potential. You know, these these when, when a group is opposing a project and they can take it to court and the courts actually go through at a level of, of um, uh review that is extremely high they go through things thoroughly they go through things their due diligence is significant it takes them time so i, I would never fault the court itself um, but the, if these groups are taking advantage of that the the significant effort that it takes to review these projects um, we might see them more in the future yeah I, I think it's a legitimate concern i hope it's not I hope the courts recognize this. And, and you know, actually, even at one, one point during the oral arguments of this project, I think one of the judges has asked um, opposition whether or not this was simply meant to, uh, to delay the project. And so I think the courts are going to, you know, recognize that as well. And they're not going to want to, um, you know, allow this to jam up their entire system and, and cause delays for, you know, an entire state because somebody's just opposed to a project. So I'm kind of either way. Do I think they're going to file? Probably. Do I think the courts are going to recognize it and try to um, try to minimize that? I, I, I definitely hope so. Well, that makes this next question a little bit more, make more sense then because I wasn't sure if you were going to know where I was coming from on this question. But I know in the last opinion, you know, you guys had the air quality permit upheld. And that was, that was a good sign. And then this this latest one here, my, my question was going to be about whether the courts are accepting science or not, because there was a trend happening where consensus science was seeming to be okay with a lot of elected leaders. And a lot of, a lot of courts even were okay with a round of consensus science versus actual science. And... When, when the judge asked if this was to prolong and that sort of thing, that kind of answered it a little bit. But I guess my question is, is how accepting was the courts to your facts and figures and science behind this? So it was a, a trust but verify. <laughs> so, so it really was. Because remember, um, what level of... of uh, okay, so I'm going to go back just a little bit and I'll try not to, to take, too, take us on too much of a tangent. When... This project, since you specifically brought up air quality as, as an example, they when the project when we first submitted our our, uh, our our permit request, our applications to the state of North Dakota um, for the air permit, it was um, the 
regulating or the administrative agencies reviewing that thing were going, you're going to have to prove this one. So it wasn't this this immediate trust. It was, um, you're going to need to verify. You're going to need to give us case studies. You're going to need to give us, you know, um, uh examples of projects that are already using this level of technology but in different areas and what those outcomes were so we we had to provide a tremendous amount of documentation to confirm what our our uh, application was stating that our levels of, of emissions were going to be significantly lower than than what is is common so once they saw that data and then they saw the science behind it they trusted it I think it was the exact same level or same situation that happened with the courts. Uh, now, I don't know this. I don't know what happened behind the scenes. But because we prevailed, I'm, I'm, I'm making the, uh, the assumption that they, after reviewing months and months and months worth of data, um, that they, they come to a point of, or they came to a point of trusting not only the data that was provided, but the agencies that had approved it initially because of the levels of, of knowledge that those folks have. So it's a trust but verify kind of a situation. And as these projects continue and people see that, that these advanced technologies, what they've actually done and how they lower emissions and how they're less impactful to, to the environment are, are, are more, um, you can point to the exact projects where they, that actually occurs. I think that that level of trust is going to just increase um, where people actually see that, okay, they were able to do what they said they could do kind of stuff. So um, I think we're in a good position. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with the governing agencies, especially in North Dakota, that you know needed that additional work. They needed that additional uh, confirmation that these technologies were um, not only trustworthy, but that they've accomplished what we said that they could accomplish in different settings or in different locations. Um, that helped us with the um, the review from the uh, the court system as well, because the the governing agencies went through these things thoroughly. I mean, thoroughly, thoroughly. And when that information was provided, um, I think everybody was more comfortable that um, that the science was correct and that they can trust the science. You know, we've joked in the past about, you know, by default, the minute you guys turn on the light switch, you're going to be the cleanest refinery in the planet because you're the first refinery built in the last 40, 50 years. So right. that by, by, which, by the way, makes the marketing slogan, the cleanest refinery on the planet, the easiest thing ever to come up with, which I love because it's true. And straightforward. Well, it's pretty rare when a marketing slogan even has 10% truth. So 100% truth, that's cool. <laughs> it is, uh, it is cool. And anyway, I, I bring it up because um, you guys have gone through a lot. Obviously, when you become the cleanest refinery on the planet, immediately the bar is now raised. How many different areas do you think are going to be raised? You know, I mean, you're talking about the new norm, and we're talking about the cleanest refinery on the planet, and we're talking about, you know, new angles and pipes that are going to go a certain way so less gas can be emitted and that sort of thing. So... Have you guys thought about that? How many different ways, you know, that you're going to actually have a leadership role in industry now? Yeah, it's 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 been exciting um, because, you know, have we have we thought about it? Do we know exactly where all of those are um, as far as for how it's going to uh, uh, impact the nation? Well, the the let's call it the, um, the the general you know oil and gas industry. 
Um, every time, you know, I think we're together and we're talking about even locations on where we're going to put components and how that's going to happen and, and, you know, what's been done in other situations is, you know, this is going to be great because once the, you know, the current industry sees this activity, um, they're going to draw from it just like you and I would. I mean, if, if I'm, if I'm making improvements to my yard and the neighbor sees it and he wants to make those improvements too, God bless him. That's great. So any of this, you know, these these, you know, ideas and thoughts and these, you know, incorporating different technologies or incorporating different, you know, equipment thing, you know, equipment um, pieces or, or something like that. Um, it's, it's exciting because we talk about the same thing. How is this going to affect everybody else in the industry? Some are going to grab onto it and say, yeah, we love that idea. We're going to try it. Others are going to say, well, we're going to stick with what we've got for a little while until we need to rebuild that section or something like that. To listen to the full-length interview with Dan Hedrington with SEH or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Coming up next, we have Matt Hill talking about their tailgate session they have coming up for the big Oklahoma Oklahoma State football game. Big tailgate party, folks, down in Oklahoma. Matt Hill with Night Energy Services coming up right around the corner. My name is Jason Spies. This is the Crude Life Week in Review. washed by the water, even when the earth crumbles under my feet. Even when the ones I love. Turn around and crucify me I won't never ever let you down I won't fall, I won't fall I won't fall as long as you're around me The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas. The Crude Life with Jason Spears. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us. Coming up next, Matt Hill with Night Energy Services talking about the changes made to their oil field tailgate event due to COVID. It's Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, November 21st. Get ready, folks, for the tailgate party of the year. This is Matt Hill. Hey, Jason. It's uh, Matt Hill with Night Energy Services. Mr. Matthew Hill, he's with Night Energy Services. And we're going to talk a little bit about some outside of the energy industry events that are going on where we bring in sponsors, we bring in uh, industry folk to help some nonprofits, some schools, some community events, if you will. And it's, it's kind of one of the things we've done in the crude life for a long time. Every week we try to make sure that we get uh, the word out there about some event going on or some sort of sponsorship opportunity because the new normal in oil and gas is energy image, industrial image. And one of the ways 
that any company out there listening right now can better your image and probably even put it in your ESG report, which a lot of people are doing right now, is to sponsor some sort of energy event that's happening and is trying to better a community. And Mr. Matthew Hill is one of the busiest guys in the industry. He was trying to get me involved at some tailgating session to come down to Oklahoma and be part of the Oklahoma Sooners games. And I would have loved to, but I, I, are you guys even playing football down there? We sure are. Oh, Jason, good for you. Hey, thanks again. Yeah, I, I always uh, enjoy talking to you. And uh, your audience, of course, is my audience. Anybody in our oil and gas industry and uh, everything that does to support energy. Well, I just get a kick out of the energy industry because I felt, you know, I don't come from the energy industry. I come from ag. And yeah. the energy industry came about in my life in 2010. And I fell in love with the energy industry because it is opportunity personified. It is community building. And they do, you know, listen, every industry has got its pros and its cons. And I've been in a lot of different industries in terms of media. So I've covered a lot. And I've never seen an industry that has such a net positive gain on everything. Economic development, environment, stimulus. And I'm being totally sincere when I say that. And yeah, I know a lot of people yeah, are thinking that. Yeah, a lot of people think I'm some lobbyist, but I'm not. I, I can go toe-to-toe with anybody on that. And talk to me about uh, your energy company that you are working with, Night Energy, and then we'll get into some of the nonprofit stuff. So go ahead and give yourself uh, your company a plug, what you guys are doing these days. Hey, thank you so much. Night Energy Services is rental equipment and services solutions for drilling, completion, production, fishing, uh, workovers, reentry, recompletes. Uh, we have, of course, drilling uh, tools like uh, drill pipe, uh, BOPs, jars, reamers. We, uh, for the completion side, we've got BOP and tubing. Our tubular running services, we've got little trippers, you know, the lay-down machines. We've got the uh, power tongs and torque turn. Uh, our fishing division is just one of the best in the business. We have, uh, we, now we're even, we realize that, you know, the state of the industry, lots of times there's independent fishermen out there and they need a set of tools. We're trying, we've put together tool packages so independent fishermen can just rent our tools alone. They don't need our you know, fishing guys. Um, we have manufacturing, we have inspection, hard banding, we can recut, reface pipe. There's really just not very much of this industry we can't help or touch. So we've been really blessed to stay fairly busy throughout the downturn. And uh, anybody out there that, you know, needs a solution right now and and wants to talk and just, you know, give me a shout, uh, matt.hill at ke.services. How about that? Not bad, man. That's quite a plug you got there. Good job. And you're out of Edmond, Oklahoma, but you service, obviously, more than just the uh, Oklahoma uh, basins. Yes. How far do you go? Because that's one of the things I've noticed. These shale plays are all interconnected. I'm going to be in Texas yeah. next week. I was in Colorado last month. You know, I'm basically located in the Bakken. So, I mean, it's... Uh, you're going to come see me next week. Exactly. Monday, I hope. Go down and see people in Houston and Midland. You're you're going everywhere. I, I am. You know, you in Texas, you can drive for four days and not even leave the state. So yeah, um, that's, that's <laughs> so true. We just, my wife and I just went to visit some uh, oil field family and uh, and her cousins in uh, Carlsbad, New Mexico, and we we 
made it most of the way through uh, Texas to get there. Talk to me about the event you have coming up here, some of the sponsorships that, uh, well, I, I assume you're looking for sponsorships, and especially this year. I mean, everybody's uh, in the past was always looking for sponsors, but uh, this year they're really looking for sponsors because not only are a lot of businesses hurting, but a lot of people are making cutbacks and a lot of different things are being shifted. So uh, first of all, the event. Second question, are you looking for sponsors? Third, I assume you are. So how can people sponsor? Sure. Um, well, uh, like you, I'm very passionate about this industry. I'm involved with a lot of groups. Uh, so I want to plug, uh, make sure everybody goes to all the, you know, the oil field organizations, web pages like AADE, they've got a clay shoot coming up. Uh, SPE has got clay shoots coming up. There's just so many events, AADE, SP, uh, oil field helping hands. There's, we're just very blessed with a lot of organizations that really put a lot into our industry and the sponsors that, uh, back them for myself, uh, uh, myself and a bunch of other sponsors and friends. I could, I mean, I've got a huge list. Uh, if everyone wouldn't mind going to oilfieldtailgate.com and there you can see, uh, normally every home game in Norman, uh, we have a, tailgate party for oil field people and their families and that's going to do it this week for the crude life week in review i'd like to thank you folks for tuning in and joining us this week we have matt hill with night energy services thank you very much for joining us as well as dan hedrington from seh and all the folks at meridian energy group and the davis refinery congratulations on your recent successes what two three victories this summer with the Supreme Court, boy, you can't get much better than that. Congratulations to Dan Hedrington, William Prentice, the entire group there at SEH and Meridian Energy Group. Also, Brandon Davis, CEO of Mining Money. Thank you very much for taking the time out to talk to us a little bit about analysis to paralysis, about how to combat some of the overthinking that happens from time to time when there's just too much going on. You're getting hit with too many different sides. And for me personally, I like to just sit in a corner and rock back and forth in a fetal position until everything takes care of itself. That's how I deal with analysis to paralysis. So, Brandon, appreciate the advice this week. All right, folks, that's going to do it. We'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. In the meantime, reach out to your local radio station and find out how they can assist you during the COVID crisis. You'd be amazed at how many resources your local radio station has from either services they can help you out with to information, all kinds of access to all kinds of different resources from NOAA to the National Weather Service, to your local county officials, to your local school district, to your local supermarket. Your radio station is the pulse of your community. So reach out, contact your local radio station, find out how they can assist you during the COVID crisis. All right, folks, we'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. From the staff here at the Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life.
The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... When it comes to making money, they say buy low and sell high. That's what they say. Well, right now is a great time to invest in the oil and gas industry. Almost anyone can invest in the oil and gas industry, and Swan Energy wants to help you out. Their joint venture structure is constructed to protect you during all phases of the partnership process and investment. They offer a direct participation in oil and gas projects to partner approved investors. To find out more information about how you can invest in the oil and gas industry, contact Swan Energy today. Visit their website, swanenergyinc.com. Dot com. That's swanenergyinc.com. Today is a great day to invest in oil and gas.